Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Brother Ronnie has been uh, preaching all month about uh, thanking differently, and what I have come to the conclusion after listening to his three sermons is to thank differently, you have to think differently. And we need to start thinking a little bit differently, and I want you to start thinking about your faith this morning. We're going to be talking about faith because faith is the key to salvation. Faith is the key to God. But the Bible tells us that we're saved by faith and not of works lest any man should boast. So it's all about what we believe in. Amen. Now, how many of you have really, really, really strong faith? Really, really, really strong faith. How many of you once in a while have eh, mediocre faith? How many of you ever once in a while say, man, I don't know. Even the disciples, you know, Jesus told him one time, he said, Oh, you of no faith. No faith. And we're going to kind of talk about that just a little bit. And I want you to realize something I learned about faith. As I was, as I was doing my studies this week about it, uh, <laughs> I have a computer program that has a concordance, and it tells me how many times a word is listed in the Bible. And I looked up faith. How many times do you think faith was mentioned in the Old Testament? Anybody guess? 15,000? And I don't know that there's that many words in the Old Testament, is there? <laughs> Are you ready for this? Twice. Two times. Two times. In the New King James Version, which is what I use, two times the word faith is in the Old Testament. Twice. Now, how many times do you think is in the New Testament? Anybody care to guess? Anybody want to say 243? You're right! <laughs> 243 times the word faith is used in the New Testament. Now, some, I'm, I'm, and I'm going to get there a little bit, but <laughs> some of these times that the word faith in the New Testament refers back to the Old Testament. But for 245 times, the word faith has appeared in your New King James Bible, if, if, you, if that's what you use. And uh, I, I really like it. And uh, <coughs> everybody knows the definition of faith. And if you don't know it, it's in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And it's very simple. It says, the faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, it's what we expect to happen. Amen? It's what we believe that will happen. But it's, not, it's something that we haven't seen completed yet. And I'm going to get to that just a little bit. And, and then I can never, never explain faith without going to the book of James. Because faith is so much more than just believing. In, verse, in James chapter 2, uh, verse 17, it says, Thus also faith by itself... 
if it does not have works, is dead. So the times that you feel like you do not have faith, if you look around and see what you're doing for the Lord, it's going to be very, very, very little. Amen? Amen or oh me, one of the two. <laughs> one thing I found about faith, whenever I pray for something, and it seemed like my prayer is answered, my faith is way up there. How about you? Whenever we see it. But you know, that's not faith. By the definition of faith, after your prayer is answered, it's not faith. It's a blessing. And I say, Ray, what are you talking about? I just read you the definition of faith in Hebrews that says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is what you have when you're praying. But it also says, For the evidence of things not seen. Not seen. So our faith, if we have strong faith and we pray for something and it gets answered, then that is a blessing. Yes, our faith is increased, but it's not the faith. It is the blessing that God has given us because that just says it's the evidence of things not seen. Anybody follow me? Do I have you confused yet? <laughs> uh, I'll try harder next time. But whenever we, whenever we ask the Lord for, for a certain thing and he answers us, and that is the blessing and that is the answer to our prayer. But what got us to that point of, of having our prayer answered is the faith that we had when we asked for it. And we need to have more faith every day. And, but I want you to also realize that we fail in our faith once in a while. And even when our faith fails, when we fail, we have to have faith. I want to go back to, to Luke, and I have a lot of scripture this morning, and I apologize for that because I usually don't like to use a lot of scripture. <coughs> but this, as I was studying this, the scripture just came and came and came and came, so I had to use them all. So in Luke chapter 22, if you have your how many of you brought your Bibles this morning? Your iPhones don't count. The book does. Okay. This, and the reason I say your iPhone don't count, and it's a good thing, and I have a Bible on my iPhone, don't, don't get me wrong, but this is the witness when, you see, when you're seen carrying it because everybody carries a phone anymore, but not everybody carries their Bible. And I love it when you bring your Bibles to church. In, in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, and, and this is just before the crucifixion of Jesus and the trial and all of that was going on. And uh, Jesus is actually predicting that Peter is going to deny him. Remember that story? Remember the story? Okay. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, and this is the scary part, Satan has asked for you. Isn't that scary? Remember in Job, the story about Job, you know, Satan says, I can't get to him. And, and God says, well, what, what about my servant Job? I can't get to him because you have this hedge built around him. 
But God and Satan once in a while has conversations about us. And Satan asks for you. When times go bad, when your life seems to fall apart, a lot of times Satan has asked for you. And God is saying, okay, I think they're strong enough. And this is Barnesology. You don't have to believe it if you don't want to. But I think he's strong enough that he can withstand that test. And God knows, amen? He doesn't just have to think. God knows. But it says, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Now, I don't know whether you know about the sifting process or not that they had back then. But they had what they called a winnowing fan. And what they would do is they would have this fan blowing and they would take their, their, their shovel or their, their, their fork or whatever it is and they would, they would take the wheat and throw it up in the air and the chaff would blow away and the seed would fall. So it's a separation process is what it amounts to. And then he says, I want to see if, if I can separate uh, Peter from you. Now, it says, and I really like verse 32, it says, but I have prayed for you. Who's the I? Jesus, he says, I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith shall not fail. That's, that was Jesus' prayer for Peter, that his faith shall not fail. And then it says, and when you have returned to me, because he knew Peter would fail. He knew Peter was going to fail. God knows that you're going to fail once in a while. Amen. He knows that, 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 I, that Ray is going to fail once in a while. He knows that Ray is not going to be doing exactly what he should be doing. And he knows that Ray is going to fail. He knows Ronnie's going to fail. He knows Gary's going to fail. He even knows that Rick's going to fail. And he knows you're going to fail. But the important part of this prayer is, first of all, that the faith doesn't fail, even though we do. The last part of it says, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, how can you do that whenever you've just come out of a failure? Peter had just denied Jesus how many times? Three times. Nope, I don't know him. Nope, I don't know him. And the last time he went away cursing and saying, no, I don't know this man. But you know what? When we go through these trials and we go through these troubles and we, whenever we do fail, we should come out stronger than we have ever been in our lives. Amen? We should come out stronger because we know that God brought us out of it. We know that we, it's not something that we done. It wasn't something that Peter done that he was proud of. <laughs> but Jesus said, I want you to take that instance and I want you to explain it to my, to my disciples, the rest of my disciples. And he said, I want you to show them and so uh, they can have more strength and they can have more faith than what you did. We take our trials and we should turn them into, as the saying goes, we take our tests and turn them into a testimony. And we should be doing that. Amen? You know, uh, one, of, one of the hardest things that I ever went through in my life, and I'm not going to uh, bear on it too long, but one of the hardest things I ever went through in my life was when I had cancer. But you know what? I found that it strengthened me more than any other time in my life. And it's the trials that we go through, and it, 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 uh, it gives me more faith 
to know that God can take care of me, no matter what the doctors say. And kind of like uh, uh, Kevin was talking about, about that individual who was burned so bad. If we pray in faith, believing God is going to answer us. Amen. So many times we, we use the, the, the term, well, it just wasn't in God's will. How many of you have ever said that? Yeah, yeah, you have. You've prayed for something. Well, it just wasn't in God's will. And that may be true, but it also may be that you didn't have quite enough faith. Amen? Now, let's move on because this isn't going over very well. And I want to tell you where to put your faith. I want to tell you where to put your faith. Now, see that picture up there? Where are you going to put your faith? In the cross. Not the wooden structure, but what happened on the cross. Amen? And I want, I want you to turn to the uh, book of Hebrews in chapter 10, and I'm going to read about uh, eight or nine verses in there. And I want you to realize that we need to put our faith in Jesus for everything. Everything that's going on in your life, you need to trust in Jesus through the good times. Remember when Brother Ronnie was talking about our joy? We should have joy even in, in, uh, in times of hard, uh, hard times and in times of sorrow. We should still have a certain amount of joy in our heart. Amen? And that peace. And if we don't have that, we need to come down to an altar of prayer somewhere and have a talk with God. Was Ray happy during cancer? Oh, no. Uh uh-uh. uh. But God gave me a joy when He spoke to me and He said, and I'll, I'll never ever forget this you're going to come out of this alive even if it kills you. Even if it kills me, I'm still going to be alive through Him. Now, have you all found Hebrews chapter 10? <coughs> Here's where you put your faith. And every priest, and this is talking about the Old Testament times, every priest standing, uh, stands ministering daily and offering re- uh, repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sin. This is the Old Testament stuff. This is why faith was only mentioned twice in the Old Testament, because they put their faith in an offering and in a sacrifice to cover their sins. And they had to come back and do it again and do it again, and do it again, and do it again. And I am so glad Jesus took care of that because I would not be a, I would not be uh, want to be a priest because I don't like to butcher. I don't like to deal with that stuff. But Jesus done something that ended all of that. Verse twelve says, "But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever." Set down at the right hand of God. I really, really like that verse. I really like it that Jesus sat down at the right hand of God. <clears throat> First of all, how many of you have ever heard the term right-hand man? Jesus is God's right-hand man. He's who Jesus goes to him when he wants something done. Jesus goes to him whenever, uh, uh, or God goes to Jesus whenever, whenever uh, he needs to send a message, and then and Jesus sends it through the Holy Spirit. But God, Jesus is God's right hand man, and I really like that. No, excuse me, knowing that God loves me so much and Jesus loves me so much, and they're working together just for me. All the rest of you just are kind of beneficiaries, as Ronnie's term was, because he loves me that much. And he sat down 
That means that as he sat down at the right hand of God, his work was finished. It was break time. He sat down at the right hand of God and said, I've finished my work on earth. Now, that finished work on earth takes on a new meaning when you actually realize what it is. Verse 13 says, From that time waiting till his enemies made him made his footstool, for by one offering, the offering made on the cross of Calvary, for by one offering he has perfected, how long? Forever. Forever. Eternally. We don't understand what forever is. We don't understand what eternity is because everything we know has a beginning and has an end. But forever has no beginning and has no end. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts and in their minds, and I will write them. Has God written on your heart? Has God written in your mind? He's written in my mind. Sometimes I forget it. Amen? (laughs) Yesterday, uh, we went to a ball game, and... And uh, we love to go watch our grandkid, grandkids play basketball and, and baseball. And, and on the way, I told Cass, I said, oh, I forgot to take my meds tonight. Remind me when we get home. <laughs> Needless to say, I got up this morning. And I, I, I take two medicines and I, of an evening, and all the rest I take of, of a morning only. And I stack those two <laughs> So I can remember that if I open the cabinet and they're stacked up that I haven't taken them yet. So I opened the cabinet this morning. They were still stacked up. So Kay didn't remind me. And I said, you didn't remind me to take my meds. And she said, you know what, Ray? You know what you tell me when I say remind me to do something? You're wasting your breath. (laughs) And sometimes we forget what God has written in our minds. Sometimes we forget what God has written in our hearts and we need to go back to the book and read it and read it and read it and read it over and over and over until it stays in our hearts and stays in our minds. Amen? Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. You see, when Jesus made the sacrifice himself on the cross, he took all of our sins away from us. And he has given us remission of those. And since there is no more sin because Jesus took it all on himself, There's no need for another sacrifice. Now, we think we make sacrifices because we have to. 
do certain things that the Holy Spirit wants us to do. And we think it's a sacrifice that we don't go to these different places. We think it's a sacrifice. It is not a sacrifice. It's being true to what the Lord wants you to do. Now, one thing else I, I really need to read in Hebrew, well, the rest of it, uh, the message is going to be in Hebrews, but one of the things I really need to bring out is in Hebrews 10, verses 30 and 31. How many of you have ever been angry at somebody? Somebody's done something to you, and you're just so angry with them. You just can't hardly stand it anymore. And you want to get them back. And you sit there, and you think and think, how can I do that? They need to pay for what they've done to me. They've lied to me. They've stole from me. I'm going to get them back one way or another. You just wait and see. Call holding a grudge. Amen. That's, that's a horrible thing to do. Chapter 10, verses 30 and 31 says, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Now you say, Ray, you've been talking about faith, and now here you are telling us it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Yes, it is. Because when you die, and you're all going to die, even me, even the kids, they don't think about it, but the older you get, the more you think about it. We're going to have to answer for the things we've done. Now, if our sins are covered under the remission of sins, we back up here to verses 17 and, eight, and 17 and 18, and it says, where there is uh, remission of sins, there is no longer an offering for sins, and he forgets them. If we ask for forgiveness... You see, he will forgive us because he took our, our sins on the cross. But if we have not accepted Jesus as our Savior and we pass from this life into the next life, we fall into the hands of a living God. And it's a fearful thing. As much as God loves his people you have to realize that he sent his, the very best that he had to die on a cross for us. He provided a way for us. And if you do not accept that way, you fall into the hands of a living God. As much as he can love, as much as the glories that he can give us into heaven, on the other side of the spectrum, he can send you to a place that is torment forever and ever and ever. Now, I said all that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith, without faith, if you do not have faith, it is impossible. The word impossible, not kind of or maybe, but it is impossible to please him. If you don't have faith, it is impossible to please him. <laughs> For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that God is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, 
I want to go back to the verse in James. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if we go back to the verse in James, if you don't have works, you don't have faith. And if you are not willing to do what God has asked you to do, if you're not willing to help your brother, if you're not willing to help your sister, if you're not willing to do anything uh, to, uh, to assist God, you have no faith. And you cannot please God without faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, I want to go down in, in, verse, in uh, the rest of chapter 11. <laughs> I want to give you a few examples of faith. And we're going, we're going to be kind of, uh, going through this kind of rather quickly. And in, verse, in verse, or chapter 11, there are 17 verses that start by faith. This is the Hall of Fame of the Faith Believers. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but some of them I want you to, uh, I'm going to talk about just a little bit. Verse 4 says, Abel offered a sacrifice. Verse 5, Enoch, he did not see death. 7, Noah built an ark. And I think that was one of the greatest uh, steps of faith that the Bible has ever talked about. If it had never rained, the dew come up and watered the plants. And God says, okay, no, it's going to rain. I want you to build an ark. And he says, what's an ark? I want you to build this big boat. And if any of you have ever been over to uh, uh, Kentucky and seen the ark, if you've not been, you need to go. And it puts a whole new perspective on Noah building it. Because he didn't have saws and he didn't have all that stuff. He built it all by hand. And it is huge. Huge. Verse 8, Abraham received an inheritance. In verse, verse 9, Abraham moved to a foreign land. And in verse 11, uh, Sarah conceived at an old age. I don't know, if we, do we have any people here or any of you ladies beyond the, the childbearing age that would like to have another baby? <laughs> That's a miracle within itself. I mean, she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And finally, when her prayer got answered, she says, ha, that's, that's funny. <laughs> Not at my age. <laughs> she paid for that one, too. <laughs> 17, another huge step of faith is when God told Abraham to offer that son that was born in the old age of Sarah. You know, some people say, well, Abraham knew that. Abraham knew that God was not going to offer, take Isaac as, a, as an offering. He knew that. You know, God had promised him that it was going to be his seed. I don't care whether he knew that or not. In the back of his mind, whenever you grab your young son by the arm and say, okay, we're going to go and offer a sacrifice, and his old mother, dear old mother, is sitting there, well, what are you going to take? What are you going to take for a sacrifice? You think he said, I'm taking Isaac. <laughs> Can you imagine what mom would have said then? By faith, he obeyed God. In 20, Isaac blessed Jacob. In 22, Joseph was given instructions about his death. In 23, 24, 27, 28, and 29, 
talks all about the life of Moses. There's another huge step of faith. How he left Egypt. He was almost in charge. He went over and said, okay, I'm taking all the slaves out. And he goes back to Pharaoh ten times saying, if you don't let my people go, if you don't let God's people go, this is going to happen to you and this is going to happen to you and all these plagues are going to happen to you. Huge, huge step of faith. Whenever they were standing at the Red Sea, the children of Israel saying, why did you bring us here? Typical Baptist congregation. Why are we doing it this way? We were so happy the way we were. Why are we doing it here? Look, we can't cross this Red Sea. And I hear hooves from the Egyptians. Moses, with faith, took his staff and hit the water, and the water parted. Not only did it part, but they didn't go across in the mud. Some people, some, the, some theologians say, well, it was, it was during the dry time. And, you know, they, they, they just walked across there because of the Red Sea was, was so shallow and it didn't hurt anything. And, and if you want to believe that, that's okay. But also, you have to believe that how did all the Egyptians and their horses get drowned in shallow water? Hmm. It's a miracle either way, Amen. <laughs> verse 30 talks about Jericho falling the walls falling we all know the story we all heard this story and, and taught that story and one more that I want to talk about during this time of Jericho was Rahab by faith Rahab was saved by faith is what Hebrews say by faith Rahab was saved. And if you all don't remember the story, she hid the, the, the spies from the Israelite spies that come in to see what was, what was in the city. And then whenever uh, uh, there at the end, she, she made a way for their escape. And what's really, really great about that story is it's backed up in James again in chapter 2. It says, likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works? Faith without works is dead. And when she received the messengers and sent them out another way, she, was, she had faith and she put her faith into actions. Now, I'm almost done. One more. My cough drop was gone a long time ago. I think Kay got me some fast-acting ones. It's time for us to cross the finish line. All the faith that we have takes us to this final place in chapter 12 of Hebrews, just a couple of verses, and then I'm going to close. Therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all those people I talked about, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
Have you ever watched a, 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 a track meet? How many, how many of those runners carry their cell phones? Or carry something that weights them down? They don't do that. They strip down to where just where they're covered so they can run. And we need to do that with our Christian life. We have things in our life that we need to get rid of. We have different things that we are holding on to and saying, I really need this, but we really don't. And God wants us to let go of a lot of things. Now, looking unto Jesus, down there where it says finish, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has, and here's that really good stuff again, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. His work was finished. He had crossed the finish line. He had run his race here on earth. You say, well, yeah, but he was God. But he was man. It hurt when they drove the nails in his hands and his feet. It hurt when they whipped him. It hurt when they put a crown of thorn on his head. It hurt. But he was willing to endure all of that because he knew where he was going. I don't know if I've told you this or not before, but when I was a kid, I had trouble with bronchitis. Every, every winter, I would get bronchitis. And mom took me to this same old Dr. Bosch in Patoka and <coughs> loved the guy. But he gave me these lozenges that tasted like black licorice. I hate black licorice. And you need to take about three of these every day. I hated it. But I endured it because I knew it would make me feel better. I hated chemotherapy, but I endured it because at the end of that, things were going to be better. And it's the same way with life. We endure things as a Christian by faith because we know that there is a reward for us when we leave this world. Amen? There is a reward for us that we cannot imagine. If, G, if God took seven days to create this beautiful earth, he's, he's spent thousands of years creating heaven. How much better is it going to be? Don't get excited about that. Because I tell you what, I want to see heaven. Amen. I want to I go there and I want to walk on streets of gold that you can see through. I want to see Jesus, and I want to see the people that, that I love so much, my family and my, my parents and my grandparents and the ones who led me to Christ. I want to see them in heaven. And believe it or not, I want to see you there. And if you have asked Jesus into your heart, and by faith believing, faith believing, and the faith that it takes for you to accept Christ is maybe walking down an aisle. And maybe it is the faith that you have takes an action because I've been telling you about that. That action may just say, yeah, it may be a confession. 
But you need to take care of that. You need to know that Jesus is in your life. You need to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that whenever you do die, you are going to heaven. Amen? I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to burn forever and ever and ever. I want you to walk with me on streets of gold where the grass stays that high. And no weeds, no dandelions in it, where you don't have to dust your mansion, where you don't have to go in and cook and do dishes because there's a banquet table spread where Jesus is there. Where you can walk up to Jesus and say, ask him anything you want to, and he will give you the answer. I want you to go there. But you have to go there by faith. By faith. And your faith has to have actions so it doesn't die. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you asked him into your heart? If not, I want to tell you, you need to do that immediately. You may not make it home. I may not make it home. Certainly hope I do. But I may not. The Bible tells us that life is as a vapor. I, I see these kids that, that smoke this vape stuff, you know. And, and I was sitting at Wendy's one day, and, and I think I was waiting for Rick one day, and, and there was a car sitting across from me, and these two kids got in it. And you couldn't see anything in there. It was packed full. They couldn't even see each other. But you know what? They got out and it disappeared. That's the way your life is. One of these days, your physical life is going to disappear. Your spiritual life goes on forever and ever and ever. You see, your spiritual life never dies. If you haven't accepted Jesus, you go through an eternity of dying. If you have accepted Jesus, you go through an eternity of living. I don't know about the rest of you, but I kind of prefer living. I don't, I've, I've told this many, many times, being dead doesn't scare me, but dying does. Because I don't know how painful it is. And I'm not one to go into something new. Uh, I, I get a little nervous. Believe it or not, the first time I came here, I was nervous because I didn't know anybody. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And now I know all of you and love you and still don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> but dying for me is that point of stepping out on something that I have no clue what is going to happen. But I do know that after that point, when I am dead, I am alive through Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus, let me urge you to find him today. Would you stand with me, please? As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.